Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the initial DLV Radio Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Jake Wolf, and uh, with me is the man, the myth, the legend, Clay Shaver, the commish, the Shaver Metric Master. How you doing, Clay? Doing great. Well, How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and it's been, uh, you know, obviously a busy morning, a lot of fights, and uh, a fantastic off-season. So uh, how do you feel about the off-season? Well, first, before we start, let me correct you. You opened with ladies and gentlemen. Chances are no ladies. That's that's true. Well, I, I didn't mention fun clown either, so. so well, okay. Fair enough. Uh, off-season was, uh, I don't know, honestly, it was a little strange. I thought it was it was quieter than we're used to, than we're used to having. I you know, we saw a few trades. Um, I don't know if it was any, a lot of major stuff. Uh, speaking of Bunk Cloud, he was a, a lot quieter than, uh, than we normally see. But, uh, I mean, I think the, the international free agents were really the, the big thing, uh, the big point of discussion this offseason. Yeah. And, you know, like you mentioned this morning, a good start for all of them. You know, a lot of guys in the bidding and a lot of guys weary of them. How do you look at those guys? I know you made an offer on bets when he came out. For a one-year deal, are you still weary, or have you bought in? You know, I <clears throat> at first I was definitely I don't know. I, I guess I, when we went to the feeder leagues and we had the the international draft prospects, I was real down on them to begin with. Now I think it's kind of proven out over time that with guys like uh, Sow in Hartford, um, some of these guys are legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the international free agents kind of felt like, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. But Betts looked so good on paper, he was worth a bid, and I think his first year kind of played out. And if, if, if anything holds with with what we're seeing so far, you know, that could end up being the talk of the offseason every offseason. Yeah. And any truth to the rumor that uh, Linty is just doing this because he can save on the exchange rate? Yeah, I – it's it's hard it's hard to say I you know I just when I when I think I I know what direction uh, Dave's going in he he kind of goes uh, a different direction on me so I'm not sure what's going on in California but you know what when you when you're playing to capacity crowds of six to seven thousand every night you know you got to do what you got to do. Well you know let's get into the meat of the podcast you know what we came here to talk about shaver metrics and this is this is something you've held close to your chest for a while and I don't even want to see the Excel spreadsheet <laughs> formulas probably take up 50 megs, but what, you know, what do you want to tell the public? You know, we're all, we're craving a little bit of a snapshot behind the scenes. You know, what about the formula? What do you look for? And, uh, you know, and, uh, how does it pop out these numbers? Well, you know, I figured this might come up. So I was trying to come up with the best analogy for Shaver metrics and what I came up with and, this may hit close to home for, if not you, to, to some of the guys. It's kind of like the, the eHarmony or Match.com uh, personality profiles. It's uh, Carlos is going to love it then. As, I'm thinking, and Pat as well. But what Shaver Metrics is going to do, it's going to it's going to measure what you what you what you got on your plate, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily guarantee a good date, so to speak. So. We're going to take all the pieces in and spit it out, but you got to actually take it to the field after that. So that's kind of how I've always viewed it is let's take a look, a snapshot in time. This is, you know, in this case, we ran them uh, in right at the end of spring training before. Um, so kind of as a marker mm-hmm. from the from the Woodbury retirement, um, but then like this first week of game actions, not factored in any trades that come up, injuries. Obviously there was uh, – a key one in Hartford this week, no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not factored in. So it's basically looking at your team on paper, your major league team mm-hmm. on paper uh, on that day. What you, what you do with it, and God knows, you know, most of them are going to screw it up. Uh, kind of, our hands are off at that point as far as far as our numbers. Gotcha. And any truth to the rumor that Danny Nelson playing for your team is still worth the negative ten points? Uh, Hall of Famer Danny Nelson is, uh, you know, not in the formula anymore. Well, there's there's a, there's there's some hidden there's some hidden factors, you know, deep in the algorithm, and, and I'd be lying if I said, you know, people's forum affinity for Danny Nelson may or may not be factored into the final number. Well, I love the guy, so. Uh, let's start it off, and we're going to start with a guy. I mean, talk about not necessarily first to worst, but, you know, Officer Happy and the Batavia Muckdogs coming in at 24 to lead off the countdown. It's, it's, I, I, I call it an epic rebuild like, like we've never seen before. It's, I don't think we've ever seen a team that was kind of right there on the edge of, of you know, not only being a contender for, for the IL, but perhaps for the whole thing. And in a, cu- a couple big swings, they've gone from one of the most talented teams to easily the least talented team. I, I figure uh, Hector uh, Coronel has got to be pretty lonely. He's probably the only guy who's, uh, you know, knows where his locker is at this point. Um, you know, so again, kind of going back to the Shaver Metrics uh, formula, Batavia looks great as far as an organization goes, because they're just loaded top to bottom with, with picks. But, you know, my question really becomes, you know, what's the plan? Where do you go from here? Do you, do you, I mean, how long how long does this last? Is he going to parlay some of those picks and try to put a contender out there? I mean, right now this team looks real bad. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and uh, any other thoughts before moving on? Uh, I, you know, I... I'm guessing Matt's going to have a lot of fun in the draft the next couple of years, but because there there, there, should, there doesn't look to be a lot of fun coming up on the field. Well, Shaver Metrics 2007 is going to look great for the Muck Dogs. That's what I'm thinking. Moving on to number 23, our first giant controversy of <laughs> form is going to be up in arms about this one: the Syracuse Slammers. And you know, I, I have to mention just because of my close personal ties to the owner, every year you put the Slammers in, in like 23rd, maybe 22nd. And we always finish in the high teens, 17 through 19. So at what point do you say, I've got to scrap this formula because something's wrong here? Well, I mean, I, I, I like to – I have to stand by my numbers. And, you know, we'll, we'll come we'll, – as we go through this list, you'll see there's definitely some that I personally uh, disagree with and, and some that I feel stronger about. Now, this one is – I, I, I honestly, with, with all due respect, I kind of agree with it. I, I feel like Syracuse had a really quiet offseason, um, added, added a few arms, uh, Erickson in free agency, Nate McDonald in the trade, and uh, Don Leonard in free agency. But, you know, and you could speak to this better than I can. It doesn't even look like he uh, he made the team out of spring training. You know what? We, uh, we, we had a, an extra arm. Travis Skinner made the rotation, uh, planned on probably starting him in AAA, but he impressed in spring training, not so much in his first start, but, so by doing that, we had uh, we had a decision between uh, him or Erickson who we wanted to to keep, and his salary is a little higher. So I thought I'd throw him on waivers, and if it doesn't, you know, if nobody gets him, then then we'll uh, go from there. So now, all that being said, you know, looking at Syracuse, and this isn't necessarily reflected in the formula, you know, two thirds of what appears to be the starting outfield 
is starting the season on the on the disabled list. So getting those two guys back will obviously be key and could impact how the season unfolds. Um, but you know, looking at the team again from a bigger picture, not from the Shaver metric snapshot, you know, thirty-one million dollar payroll, hundred million dollar budget, uh, prospects like uh, Luna and uh, uh, Ricky, uh, what is it, Adami or Adami, however you would say it. Uh, both look good and look somewhat somewhat close. So obviously you could speak better to the plan uh, than I could. But as far as the team that's starting the year, it feels like 23rd to me. Well, and I I agree with you 100%. They probably feel like 24th to me. But you know, <laughs> Z made a comment on the on the boards about uh you know our payroll being so low after being traditionally a pretty high spending team. You know, to be perfectly frank, we got in the red pretty bad, and uh, it's not the way to operate in the new BLB. And so I'm trying to. Uh, Stay low. We weren't going to win this year anyway, so I did take some shots at uh, Hernandez uh, and missed out on him to spot. But for the most part, just trying to get back into the green or the black and uh, and set up a base moving forward so we can spend money when the time is right. So, Well, the, the beautiful thing for, for Syracuse and then obviously um, this other team that we're going to look at when we move into 22 is it's the division. The division is going to be winnable um, and soon. So I don't think it's going to take a lot of moves to jump into contention. Well, in a perfect segue to number 22, uh, the Denver Bulls, who uh, made some had a louder offseason compared to most and uh, feels like he put himself in a position, but Shaver Metrics disagrees. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Carlos and, uh, and Denver are one of the most active and obviously passionate uh, ownership uh, groups in the BLB. And I, I agree with you. Very active offseason, but when we kind of plugged all the numbers in and looked at everything, I kind of felt like when the dust settled on all the moves that were made, was the team any better? Was the active roster any better than what he went into the offseason with? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, the uh, the Ivan Olivo project is over. Mm-hmm. Um, he added uh, the the pitcher and the and the infielder from Maine, uh, Baladi and, and Tugushi, mm-hmm. um, and then he grabbed the Rule Five kid Oka, and uh, you know it changes up the team. But I kind of came away with the thing, and, and my question, and get your take on this is: is does Denver have the least exciting roster in the BLB? It it might be possible. You know, I know the fans are probably excited about Chuck Lindsey. You know, Bilotti can be a, a you know a very serviceable guy, but that's an excellent point. I don't see a lot of flair to the roster, and honestly, I I would say this to Carlo to Carlos to his face. I don't know what he's doing sometimes. He's trying to rebuild, and then he's adding these thirty-something pitchers, and uh, I'm not sure what direction he's trying to head. I hate to I hate to to, to drop the the F word, but it's fun clown esque <laughs> in. Uh, in some of the moves sometimes. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, we'll move on to a team that it feels like they've been here forever, and every year we're talking about when are they going to break into the top 12 of Shaver Metrics, when are they going to move up, when are they going to come out, and uh, they're still here at 21, the Morgantown Mohawks. They, Morgantown, to me, have they've kind of been, they flip-flopped in Shaver Metrics over the years. They've been darlings before, and they've been bottom feeders before. Bottom feeders more often than not, um, but the numbers don't look good for this season. I mean, they, they added uh, Juan Jose Garcia uh, to an already pretty solid staff, at least on paper, uh, with Coates and, and Jerry Howell. Um, Adili is probably, if not the one of the most underrated uh, superstars as far as offensively, um, but he gets no help. 
but Morgantown, obviously the South Division is a nightmare. Um, Virginia is obviously stacked at the top, and Washington, for whatever reason, smoke and mirrors, whatever we want to call it, uh, Pat's always right there. So to me, it seems like Morgantown's just a visual most seasons. Uh, one of these days, I feel like he's got to make a move. He's, he's got to do something, uh, add some talent, or, you know, I, I, I hate to say blow it up and start over because he's had so many high picks. Um, but stagnant is, is really kind of the, the word I come up with. They just don't seem to be – it's like they, they need to get great or they need to get awful because right now they're just kind of middling. Yeah, and uh, speaking of a team that got awful, and a team that I thought would be a little bit higher in your rankings, the Indianapolis Clowns coming in at number 20. Now, this is the one, this is the first one that I will say, um, the one I disagree with the way the numbers came out. Now, obviously, I'm biased. Uh, we made a deal with Indianapolis this year, sent Jerry Morgan over, uh, someone they, uh, we loved in Virginia, obviously won a lot of rings here. Uh, but yeah, the Clowns feel underrated at 20. Um, but when I dug a little deeper, I can kind of see where it's coming from. And what I, what I see when I look at their roster is they're obviously building from their pitching first. They add Morgan. Uh, they add Ken Bayer to the back end of the bullpen. They've got uh, Wildfire Bryant, who was the number one pick in 95. They've got J.P. Johnson, a high second rounder in 96, that looked to be in the rotation. Um, but they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle with their bats. They're not going to hit uh, like a team that, uh, that like a team needs to. To contend, I mean, but like we talked about before, Pilsner division is weak. A strong pitching staff could absolutely um, move the Clowns into into at least competing for a playoff spot. Um, but the question is going to become, with him moving a lot of high picks, does is he going to dip into the prospects and, and maybe make some moves? Because I think he's got to have some offense. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned outside of Shaver Metrics a lot, a strategy that, that you show, showed where you feel like you've got to add some key veterans at a time where you can't take a full youth movement to, to let those young kids develop with some talent. You did it in the 80s with Vincent Nino. Is that what you're seeing out of Indianapolis here, and, and would you endorse this move from a non-Shaver Metrics perspective? I, mean, I think that that's kind of always been my philosophy, and I think that this is kind of, this is kind of a combination of, uh, of what I've said in the past and what Carlos, who isn't necessarily doing it for himself in Denver, but he, he, he put out some pretty, um, some pretty wordy messages in the forum in the last couple of years where he's kind of broken down that maybe having a really talented top side of your rotation is the key to, to being productive. I mean, we saw it obviously. Um, with with Dallas last year making it uh, into into the second round with just an ace and really not a lot else. New Orleans wins the whole thing behind an ace. Virginia's always there, always have an ace. So you know maybe that's the way Indianapolis is going here. That they're they take Morgan, they're locking him down. I, I you know obviously again I'm biased. I think Morgan is a legitimate ace if he's not in uh, Herrera's shadow for all those years. He's the number one on almost any other team. Um, so maybe that's what Indianapolis is doing here. I, I, they still, I agree with what Carlos has said in the past, but I, you do have somebody's got to score runs. Yeah, and I, I just don't see those runs on uh, on the Clowns roster right now. Well, we'll see. And move on to an, another quiet off season. Shed thirty million dollars worth of payroll. It's uh, Pat's twin in the Pittsburgh Milks coming in at nineteen. Yeah, the other Pat. He. Uh, 
He won the Co-Commissions Cup last year, uh, was the worst team, and still had to drop a bunch of payroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did that and did a good job of it. He is, you know, the ale is kind of a, a muddled mess always. I mean, it's, uh, and I say mess despite the fact that it's often full of 91 teams, but no one, no one seems to want to take the reins. No one seems to want to jump out there and say, okay, we're the, we're the team to beat. Um, he did add some bats in free agency. Kind of, I almost feel like if Indianapolis and Pittsburgh combine teams right now, They'd be a contender. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh went out. They got Gentry. They got McGuire. They got uh, Christian Negron. Um, so they made some moves to bring some bats in. They got the number one overall pick in the uh, in the Rule Five draft. Uh, Tukan uh, Tasuda. Uh, he looks like he's going to be pretty good or at least serviceable. But uh, I don't know. It's, to me, this offseason and the Pittsburgh roster right now almost feels like kind of going through the motions. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see anything big. I didn't see anything bold. I, I don't see what's going to move them further up up the rankings this year. Mm-hmm. I do expect a bounce back year out of Gentry. He was awful in Syracuse last year, although he played better at the end, and uh, I think that was a nice late spring training signing. But I'm with you. Uh, not a lot of bright future uh, ahead for the Millers this year at least. So, And number 18, another stout team. It's odd seeing these guys so low, but the Wilmington Blue Wave, and uh, Tom R. learning on the job as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the artist formerly known as the Wildcats, uh, quiet, <laughs> again, a, a quiet offseason. Um, I mean, they seem poised to, to maybe make a run with, with their upcoming, uh, with their youngsters who are coming up. But uh, I guess I'm just waiting for them to do something. I think they almost fall here at 18 because of the lack of movement. I mean, they're obviously sitting on a ton of cash. They're sitting on a, a ton of talent in the minors. Um, but they got to make some bold moves. I mean, uh, Eric Keefe looks great. He, he's hurt now. Um, Pat Lombardo is uh, 22. He was the third pick overall in 97. He looks ready or close to ready. Um, Wilmington, to me, and, you know, I, I hate to second-guess other people's moves. If they could undo the deal they did with Windy City last year, yeah. if they have Ming Air, at the top of their at the top of their lineup, I think they're a lot further up this list right now. Yeah, I agree a million percent. And you know, let me get your take on a guy like Pat Lombardo. He's a he's a Dimmick clone to me. He's got two great pitches, a middling third pitch, but it looks like he's got the stuff. He's got low stamina. How do you see him? Do you think he can succeed as a starter in the league when he gets there? I think he can in the right situation. He he's got the one thing that I've kind of always I, I made no secrets about. One of the things I like in my starting pitchers is I like a guy who gets a lot of ground balls. Lombardo is one of those guys who's going to get you 60, 65, 70% ground balls. Now, you got to have the right team, though. they got to be able to field it. Right now, you know, in Virginia, speaking from personal experience, we got a lot of guys like that, but we also have an infield that's looking a little bit shaky at times. Suddenly that's not quite as appealing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Lombardo's got all the tools. I don't think he's I don't think he's the number one. I think he's probably a strong number two. Um, but you gotta have the right team, you gotta have the team that can that can pick it up defensively, and you gotta have a, a solid back end of your bullpen because with that low stamina, he's not he's not gonna go eight innings deep most games. And you know, a great start for them at five and one. And you know, if Kiefer can stay healthy, they don't need a true number one. A a solid number two will do it. Yeah. Can we skip number seventeen? Uh, well, you know what? It's it's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, well, coming in at 17, uh, Fun Clown, the man, the myth, the legend, and the Pawtucket Patriots. Yeah, he, obviously, the guy is just, you know, he's Trader Jack. He he likes to make the moves. This offseason was strange because I felt like he, his personal birthday party was the Rule 5 draft. He loaded up in the Rule 5 draft. And I just, you know, when we have new owners, a lot of times some real talent is out there. But this year, you know, there was there was some there was some talent on the top side, but basically basically he loaded up on other people's scrap. I mean, he did he did add a few arms in the off season, but he mostly left the offense alone. Um, he's got some bombers, you know, he's got some guys that can hit the long ball, but the only real on base guy he has is the catcher Rob Phillips. So I don't know. I don't see. I don't know exactly what he's going to do right now. He's sitting on some money. He's made some deals. He's not as uh, you know. He's more financially viable than he's been in the past. Uh, with that itchy trigger finger that he's got, I just I'm wondering how long it's going to be till he goes nuts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time. And uh, God bless the guy. He makes uh, he makes this league what it is. So absolutely. Uh, you know, at number sixteen, uh, a team that made a deep run last year and is getting a lot of the same guys back, Dallas. Made the fourth uh, fourth straight playoff appearance, uh, four straight Pilsner uh, championships. That's Though uh, a lot of people would, you know, consider winning the Pilsner like, you know, the uh, divisional equivalent of uh, defensive indifference. Yes, yes. But he did take out Las Lunas in the in the first round. Um, you know, he was eighty and eighty and eighty two going into the playoffs last year. The the Woodbury injury obviously hurts. I mean, the guy was the guy was ageless, and uh, we didn't see anything to indicate that he wasn't going to continue to get on base and, and do some hitting this year, even at 42. Right. Um, he added Angelo Hernandez from Windy City. That's a, that's a nice replacement right there. I mean, if you if there's such thing as replacing a, a Hall of Famer, then he did a pretty good job in that respect. Obviously, the team looks a lot better if they have both, but I guess the the silver lining. Um, Pat Demick, no doubt, arguably the best in the DL, uh, for sure number two if he's not number one, uh, behind R.J. Curtis. Danny Alvarez still banging at 38, um, so he's got some offense. Uh, so I guess the real question to me becomes, you know, Indy's obviously making moves. Denver is doing something, and then, and then there's Syracuse doing whatever it is you're doing. So it, to me, it's a matter of, in a division that's already that close and has shown that you can take it home with 80 wins, you know, what's he going to do? Is If he just sits by and waits, I'm not sure he can hold on to this division much longer. You know, and I wanted to ask you, too, uh, Armando Arreste, how long can he do this? I mean, a two-pitch starter, he's really the only one we've seen prolonged success out of. How do you feel about him? You know, I, I mean, based on, the, based on the first week, he can't be feeling pretty good. I mean, he got, he got roughed up pretty good in, in his first start. You know, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's it's hard to predict it. I don't. I don't think the guy's a starter. Um, he gets he gets strikeouts and he doesn't walk a lot of guys. So I mean, he makes it. He he keeps them in games. What he doesn't do, I I don't feel like he goes out there and wins games. Um, again, he's a guy. He goes out there. He gets a lot of ground balls. Dallas can play defense, so that works out well. Dallas always has has a strong bullpen. So if they can get five and two-thirds, six out of them, keep them in games, keep it close, I'd feel a lot better. If I'm Dallas, I'd feel better if he's my five or my spot starter or maybe a four. But 
it's Dimmick and everyone else on that team. And if Oreste is your number two, I think I think you you need a lifeline real soon. Well, and like you mentioned in the Pilsner, maybe that's enough. So, yeah. you know, let's dip our toes into the the new ale division, the lager. They're stacked and and a little surprising here. Coming in at number fifteen, the defending champs, Dave and the New Orleans Dukes. And obviously, I expect uh, you know this to be taken as some type of uh, some personal affront on, on Dave and New Orleans, some type of bitterness on, on my part. But I, I will say, uh, you know, much like Indy, this is one that I don't necessarily agree with uh, where they came in. Um, all, all signs point to this being a good team, uh, getting much better. Um, the, the numbers just don't love them. Uh, they have, I mean, I saw it firsthand in, in the Brewmasters Cup. They have a ridiculously good defensive team. Their outfield is great. R.J. Curtis is easily the best in the DL or, or you know, 1A and 1B with Timmick. Might be the best in baseball. I mean, the, the B.A. top players list likes him number one overall. Uh, Von Haynes, the, the catcher, is totally underrated. Stout has got a stout slugger. He's won a defensive uh, MVP. He's got seven straight All-Stars, OPS careers, close to 900. Uh, this is a great day. They had Ednams, uh, the shortstop, which – Anytime you can get middle infield yep. in this league, you're happy. So I guess the, the only question mark that I can find in the whole team, really, is uh, is behind Curtis. I mean, obviously, Curtis is a, is a, is a great player. He's a top guy. Um, they don't have a lot coming in behind him. And I think, and again, not taking anything away from what they did last year, I think they kind of outplayed their talent. And... I think they have to do that again this year uh, to get up there. And again, because Shaver Metrics just kind of measures it, measures it off paper, you know, that's why I think we, we see them a little lower than maybe they actually are on the field. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Alex Martinez, I think, is solid. And, you know, you look at a guy like Stu Driscoll coming, to, I'm sorry, Stu Driscoll coming in at number four, a young kid with still a lot to prove, and maybe he's a turning point for them this year. Could be. Moving on to a, a team that I think is right where they should be, right in the middle of the pack, Philadelphia Freedom. And, you know, you look at Brad, he's kind of in the middle of a rebuild, more talent than I've ever seen in, in a lifetime uh, that he's got in his system. Yeah, it's, you know, and obviously, uh, of all the owners, you know, and, I, and I, I, I love you all like my children, but uh, Brad is obviously, you know, Brad's one of, the, one of the good guys, and he does so much for the league, I would love to see see Philadelphia turn around for them. Uh, you know, and the thing that was running through my head is, has Philly ever really recovered from the uh, from the Mel Woodbury deal? Uh, it's seven straight years now missing the playoffs, and I, I'm just waiting for it to turn around. They did; they're loaded with picks from trades the past few seasons. Um, you know, they're showing some effort to, to put a, a more competent team on the field. They did add Nate Taylor uh, in free agency. They added. Uh, the the pitcher uh, with Egoy uh, in a trade this off season. They're stocked. They're absolutely stocked. They got they've got young talent. Uh, Shane Like the shortstop, Grinder Swanson the outfielder. But I feel like to kind of take the next step into the top tier, uh, you know, and, and obviously love to get your take on this. I feel like they got to flip some of those high picks or maybe some of those outfield prospects that they're loaded with. Uh, to add some legitimate BLB talent. I mean, Joshua Poling got a huge bump last year, but is that real? Right, right. And, I, you know, I agree. And, you know, if there's one thing we know about Brad is that he's never going to uh, sit on his roster. He's always going to be looking for something. But 
with all that talent, I'd have to think that he can move it for some valuable pieces that could win that division now, even. So, you know, uh, to move on to another team that, that may be the opposite, that's always willing to add veteran talent and finds a way with a bare system to still get it done at 13, the main guides. Maine is, you know, obviously, they kind of, I think they kind of took a page from, from Pawtucket. Uh, you know, they, I think it kind of rubbed off on them being out of divisions for so long, where they basically tried to turn over most of their roster this offseason. Um, they added a ton of guys in free agency, Carbajal, Pancho Perez, McQueen, Sasaki, uh, Oligo and Gutierrez come over in trades. But I look at I look at it, and, you know, they come in 13, middle of the pack, that's kind of what they feel like to me. Uh, Tino Suarez feels like he's fading uh, back-to-back uh, seasons, whereas his whip was north of 1-4. One, one I mean, I guess they flipped a lot of the roster, but did they really improve? It's a, it's a good point. They'll certainly be uh, in contention for the AL, I think. Uh, we'll get to Hartford later, obviously. But, you know, a team with a lot to talk about at number 12, I know you like the way that he runs his team, Dave and the California Kodiaks. They're the, I decided, I'm, I'm tagging them IHOP. They're the International House of Prospects. <laughs> uh, you know, he obviously went big on, uh, on Big Stud and, and Vulture, uh, to complement what they already got with, with Eddie Betts out of the International Free Agents. We talked about it earlier. It's gamble. I mean, he laid a lot of money out, uh, to bring these guys in. And, uh, I guess we gotta kinda let it play out and, and see what it does. He, he brings Kurt Warren over from uh, from the Dinos. It looks like a good add. Uh, Travis Fisher, the number one overall in '96, uh, came up in September. Looks ready. Uh, looks like he's going to be a stud. Looks like he could anchor that rotation. Uh, Tyler Baker, the other kid he he picked early, looks like he may be close. Um, you know, I feel like they've been kind of sitting in the weeds, loading up, and and suddenly they look like a, a potential young uh, young juggernaut here and. That outfield with Betts, uh, Marshburn, and, and the rookie Fuji, um, they might be the best in the league soon. I, I mean, I, I I think we're looking at year one of, of the California dynasty kind of building up. Well, and you know, a solid year last year, getting back over 500 with 82 wins. I, you know, I have to say we'll get to him later, but I think Baltimore could be right for the taking. It'll be interesting to watch that Porter as we go on. Uh, one away from the top ten, coming in at number eleven, a surprise for me, Davenport. Davenport is another one of those teams that I think they've always kind of been somewhat darlings from Schaefer Metrics because they put nice teams on the field. Unfortunately, I think they they got hurt last year by some by the change in ownership and, and a little bit of absentee ownership uh, while we were transitioning from one to the other hurt them. Um, Hanrahan retires. In the offseason, that's a huge uh, that's a huge hole to fill. They lose a pretty nice prospect in Oka, who gets lost in the Rule Five draft. Um, again, I think kind of a a product of, of the ownership not being you know, the new guy. New guys kind of just getting acquainted with exactly how things run around here. Um, and then they turned around and had a really quiet uh, offseason, really making uh, no significant changes, bringing no. No real new pieces in. I, they, they still have talent. Uh, Morgan's great. Dotson's good. Uh, Gornino. Um, but this is a division that's full of active owners. And that's when you're dealing with a new ownership group here. They got to they got to kind of get their feet wet quick and learn what they're going to do to be, to get creative. Because 
Davenport is kind of right on that point where they got to make a big move and compete, or they got to consider a reboot. Mm-hmm. And of course, a big piece they're holding. If they did want to reboot, Rex Morgan would uh, fetch him a, a pretty penny on the open market. So yeah, that, he look, he would he would look good in just about any lineup. Yeah. And uh, getting to the meat of it, uh, the top ten, we're going to start off with Windy City, a team, you know, a lot of positive pieces, a lot of youth, and uh, didn't lose too much, a couple pitchers in the offseason. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the spring back-to-back spring or three-time spring spring training darlings uh, fell to earth a little bit this year. I know uh, Justic was a little bit bummed to to give up that uh, that mantle this season. But – you know, they turned in 85 wins last year, uh, but they were out of contention. Because, uh, this is a strange team. They were plus 82 in runs scored versus runs allowed last year. Um, they play a lot of close games. They lose a lot of close games. Um, they shipped out uh, Angel Hernandez. They, they shipped out uh, Goy, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, both were contributors, contributors in 98. Um, I mean, this team feels like... They're in perpetual rebuild. I mean, they were obviously one of the best teams early on. Uh, they took the first the first title for the IL way back in the day. Um, they look good on paper, but the question for me is, do they have a game plan? How? What are they going to do to win those close games? Or, or they, have they kind of just resigned themselves to the whole it's a dice roll and, and we're just that team that loses close games? I mean, that that's that's been haunting them for years. Well, you know, give me your thoughts on a guy like Jamie Herbert Holes, who you are probably a big fan of right now. But, you know, i got to wonder, is this guy going to keep his control in check? He's got all the talent in the world. Do you think he can settle down and become that number one starter that, that Jistic has been known for over the years? Well, I mean, obviously he's public enemy number one in Virginia right now. But, uh, you know, I like him. He's got, I mean, his control is, depending on what your scouts say, his control is a little bit sketchy. That's the last piece to really come in, but I mean, he's a, he's a hard thrower. He has three great pitches. Um, you know, he's got the stamina to, to give you six, seven, eight. Um, you know, he's probably not going to throw a lot of complete games, but you know, he's, he's going to get you, he's going <clears> to, <throat> he's going to give you some innings. He's going to get you a ton of strikeouts, but right now, I mean, he's coming off a 119 walk season and you just can't, there's too many good hitters in the, in the entire league, uh, but especially in the IL. There's a lot of good OVP guys, and you just you can't get you can't give away that many free base runners. Yeah, and moving on, we've got a tie for eighth, our first tie of the day. Let's start in the IL, the box division, uh, always in contention. Los Alamos Bandits. Again, they they went big. I mean, they went they went all in on uh, on Fernando Hernandez, uh, a 90, 90, almost ninety four million dollar commitment for an untested player, but. Depending on what version of the uh, the top prospects list that you read, he debuts at number one. I mean, he looks like at least the rating services like him. I, starting to get starting pitching in this league, you got to go big and you got to make you got to do you got to make uh, risks and take chances. Uh, Los Alamos, they're the last team out in '98. You know, right on the edge, they couldn't catch the bats for the wild card. They, they dump Mike Murdoch's contract in the offseason, mm-hmm. opens up some space for him to do some more things. Um, so it's really it was kind of a strange thing. The Murdoch deal, the, the kind of bailout that they got from Batavia on the Murdoch deal, opens up a bunch of space, but then the Hernandez deal kind of limits their options. Mm-hmm. So the question is for me, 
I feel like, again, like last year, they're kind of right there on the edge of a playoff team. But do they have any bullets in the gun to make a move if they have to? Well, and then switching to the DL, tied with them, uh, leading the AL every year, Hartford Whalers. Won the AL last year, uh, but got bounced in the first round by the uh, the eventual champions. Uh, very active in the offseason, multiple deals, shipped out uh, Lindsey. Um, they've still got a lot of talent. I mean, Sal is one of the best in the game. Chuck Durham is one of the best in the game uh, at his position. Uh, you know, I like I like their team. I mean, their team looks great. But they're kind of in that place again where I don't know which way they're going. And it's hard to get – I'm not necessarily getting a read in the forums of what their plans are. Are they kind of looking at a rebuild? Are they trying to do a rebuild on the fly? Are they trying to contend? I mean, they moved, they moved out some talent, but they still got a ton of talent. So I guess I'm looking for their identity right now. You know, and the note I had down for them was just how much longer, how much longer can UMD, you know, keep this team together and winning, and, and you touched on that. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Maine is uh, certainly good enough to, to keep them honest, uh, and I'll be interested to see uh, what happens this year. Move- yeah, I, don't, I don't – sorry, one quick point. That's the thing about the AL to me, because they're all – they've got this domino thing where one guy makes a move and then they all feel like they have to make a move. I I feel like, and again, just my opinion, I feel like the the first team that kind of just dig their heels in and say, I'm going to work my plan and not respond to what everyone else does, that feels like the team that's going to put itself on top of that division. It's ancestral almost. Yeah. Okay. Um, you said it, not me. Yeah, right. So moving on to number seven, we're going back to the logger, obviously a very talented team, Mississippi. Uh, 90 wins last year, but uh, that gets you fourth in the locker, which is it's got to be disappointing. Uh, they had an up and down off season to me, absolutely uh, uh, pulled dry. I mean, they got raped in the Rule Five. They lost six guys in the Rule Five draft. Uh, I mean, I don't think there was a lot of high end talent, mm-hmm. but losing six guys who the other teams at least deemed draftable um, that hurts. That hurts at least your depth. Um, coming into the season. Uh, they signed Calderon, the catcher, to a three-year deal. Looks like a pretty fair deal. Uh, brought Rojas back home to, to Mississippi to play uh, to play some first base for them. And and the rotation really looks untouched from 98. It looks like they're kind of, of the DL teams, they're kind of one of the few that I, I feel like is kind of coming back into, for the most part, play the same hand that they ended the season with. Um, and the question that I kind of saw in that is, is that enough? You know, do they do they maybe need some fresh blood to shake things up a bit? Mm-hmm. And we'll move on to a tie for fifth. We'll start in the IL with uh, your BFF, Pat Washington <laughs> Bats. And I, I don't know how this guy does it every year. Again, a ton of guys coming in, a ton of guys coming out, and a lot of money going on Kinsey. Well, it's, you know, the, the land of smoke and mirrors. And if you know anything about Pat, he, he loves both smoke and mirrors. So it fits really well. Um, you know, he goes to the ILCS last year with basically a roster being held together by duct tape. I, I don't, I don't know how he does it. Um, he's, and he seems to kind of be embracing the same philosophy this year. He, if, if anyone has figured out the, the Shaver metrics formula, it's him because he puts teams together that look great in our formula 
but don't really look good anywhere else. And, and you know, just at first glance, I don't see anything impressive. Obviously, Kinsey's the only major addition. He he's a defensive liability wherever he puts him. Yeah. Um, you know, Salazar takes over. It looks is taking over at closer after signing a big extension. Um, so. I'm guessing Washington's probably going to be looking to shed Ortiz, uh, who was closing for them. Uh, his contract is giant, um, you know, so Pat's got to do something there. I don't want to count him out. I mean, you just can't. I, I don't know exactly what works. I don't know if it's because the stout is a little bit weak at the bottom half, um, you know, that he just gets enough division wins every year that that puts him in contention. But, you know, I, I don't I – don't, I like Mel Brady. Um, you know, Kenzie's probably got some pop, but again, I go back to and maybe the number one question for them: Where does Kenzie play? I mean, where are you where are you going to stick him for 150 games? I, I just don't see it. You know, a couple of young guys in the rotation with Handback and uh, Travis DeFore, who uh, had an injury in college or and uh, has developed nicely. But you know, what does Shaver Metrics like about them? Because I'm looking at their roster and I can't see anything that really stands out. I know. You know what? It's just, I think it's a lot, most teams. If you if you look at most teams, they they'll tend to have one great area. They'll have great pitching, or they'll have a great outfield, or they'll have you know a really good bullpen. Um, Pat kind of, it's almost like a fantasy football philosophy where a lot of teams will go with the stars and scrubs. We have a lot of teams that kind of have that philosophy. I'm going to have you know Indianapolis. We talked about earlier. They obviously look like their pitching is going to be great, but maybe their uh, their offense is not. Pat's doing just an, he's just average to above average in every area and not great anywhere. And there's just something about that from a numbers perspective that plays out well for him. And you know, I would like to say that I'm putting some type of personal you know factor into it and based on his history and all the playoff appearances that I'm pushing him up the ladder because of that. No, I would love nothing more than the numbers to say that, you know, he's number 24. But, you know, but at the same time, the last thing I want to do is say he's number 24 and have him, you know, make it to the ILCS again because we'll obviously never hear never hear the end of that. Of course, of course. You know, Kinsey in his first week, six games at first base, 46 chances, zero errors. So we'll see. he's smoking out there in D.C., but something worked for a week at least. You know, tied for them at fifth, uh, a quiet team in my opinion because I never really notice them until I look at Shaver Metrics and I look at their roster, and they're pretty good, the Los Angeles Dinos. You know, Dinos are, you know, I think of the – I agree with you. They kind of – they don't register for me a lot. The only times I really think of them is when I'm getting ready to write – in a post, I'm going to write L.A., and then I say, oh, crap, i got to, you know, signify if it's Los Angeles or Los Alamos. Um, yeah, this is – this is a nice-looking team on paper. I mean, they, they ship out uh, Al Sadat, they ship out Kurt Warren, um, but they bring in Jeff Scott, who obviously has to stay healthy, but at least, uh, you know, he's always kind of been a darling to, uh, at least to scouts. Uh, he still looks good. He still looks like he can play. Um, they've got a solid middle infield, which you don't – it's hard to find around here. You know, Dusty Simmons is good. Jeff Scott, if he stays healthy, is good. Uh, Tex Watts, who's technically a third baseman, can can help out a little bit there. Um, but their pitching is really their strength. I mean, Torres is great. Tucker, I didn't want to believe was good, but he is good. Um, their bullpen's strong, real strong. Uh, Jonathan Morris is a great bat. Uh, I mean, they got to stay healthy. But 
this team looks good, and they look deep. I mean, they, they've got players that uh, in their high minors that, you know, could be ready real soon. This is a, this is a deep team. You know, in evil ways, off to a little bit of a rough start in the first week. But, you know, he's a guy, if you get him to the ninth, the game's over. Mm-hmm. So uh, top four will start off with uh, Jim and Los Lunas and uh, a team that he's probably not as high on as you are. Yeah, Los Lunas is absolutely – I mean, if there was such a thing as the Shavermetrics darlings, it's Los Lunas. They, Shavermetrics loves them every year. I, I Again, the, I won't, I'll, I'll stand by my the, – that the numbers don't lie. They love them. Uh, they went to seven games last year with uh, with Dallas and, and got bounced. I thought that they were a good team last year. Um, they got probably the best closer for sure in the DL, uh, maybe in in the whole game in uh, JJ Black. They really did nothing in the off season other than a Rule Five pickup. Uh, they had a great team and they didn't really need to make a move. Uh, you know they. Uh, they look good. I mean, this division is full of activity, and they basically sat the off season off. You know, partially probably because of their high their high payroll, but uh, they look good, and it's got to be the time because I don't I don't love their farm system, but their team's young, so I think they're making their run right now, and you know, I I think this is this is kind of the team that's going to be the definition of you just got to play out the string because this, you're kind of all, they're kind of all in at this point. Moving on to number three, the best team in the BLD, just ask them, DeLant and the Baltimore Bulldogs. Uh, Baltimore. You know, they had a quieter offseason, both, uh, you know, just in activity and in, you know, Prez's, uh, you know, moxie all around. they just been kind of quiet. I mean, I know he's obviously, he's got some stuff, uh, he's got a baby on the way, so maybe he's becoming a, a calmer and gentler uh Owner, but uh, you know Baltimore still looks good. I mean, they still look like a really good team on paper. I mean, they got a lot of talent. Uh, they it took them years to do it, but they corrected that awful stadium. Um, Gramanius is gone. Uh, they scrapped the Jeff Scott experiment. Uh, Brad Christian comes in. Um, their number one prospect, uh, Colin Reed, is also you know is kind of going to probably compete for some time uh, in the uh, in second base with uh, with Christian. You know, Petro uh, comes over from Batavia. That was really their only key addition in the offseason, but, you know, he's a good one. Um, it's a good team. I, there's not a lot to say. I mean, I, looking at their team, the only thing that, that kind of stands out to me is, is they're basically sitting on three three all-star level catchers in, in Kubota, Gonzo, and, and Pete Miller. you got to find places for them to play, or you got to flip them for something else. So it's my what he's going to do with those guys is really the outstanding question for me. You know, rumors had him trying to move Kubota and his salary in the offseason. It obviously didn't happen, and uh, obviously a lot of talent there. The one thing I will say about uh, DeLandis, he has drafted really well, in my opinion. He's hit on the high picks. Uh, a lot of guys that I disagreed with at the time, which is why I'm in 23rd. <laughs> a lot of credit to him, and, you know, it looks like he might still have a, a year or two before he might have to worry about California overtaking him, but uh, kudos to him. So the yeah. top two a team that, you know, I know you love, that we've been waiting year after year for them to come out and, and make it happen, the Carolina Tobes. I love them. I love Carolina. Um, you know, I hate Squid, but I love Carolina. Uh, you know, the biggest strike against them right now, and obviously this isn't factored into uh, 
to Shaver Metrics is the ownership. And, and that, you know, again, I, I joke with Squid, I've known him forever, but it is, uh, it's just a question of does he, is he familiar enough with the league to, to either A, not get fleeced on, on something, on uh, his throw out some talent, or, you know. Don't talk to Pat. Don't talk to Pat. No. But, I mean, it's a great team. Hamilton and uh, DeLeon, obviously among the best, uh, for sure, at their position, if not in the league overall. He adds uh, Pagan. He brings in uh, O'Haggerty and uh, Roman, both from former Virginia guys. Um, Hoffman, their number one prospect, looks really good. Um, uh, Godo or Gatto, the one that everybody's trying to fleece him for right now, the catcher. Um, I know, you know, you know, off the record conversation, but I'm putting it on the record here. I know Squid's going to try to turn him into a third baseman. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, and he's still grooming him down in, in the minors. He looks good. That's a, another one. Of, there's a head scratcher. If you look at his history, he's an undrafted free agent who got a bump okay. somewhere along the line, which kind of lends to my, not to pat myself on the back, kind of lends to my put someone in a good system, put someone in a good, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, in a winning organization, and, and the prospects tend to get bumps. Um, Carolina looks great. I, I think that their own, their worst enemy this season is is just going to be what – what ownership does with them, I, I think they're a good enough they're a good enough team to win it this year. They can absolutely win the whole thing. Well, and as you pointed to, you know, and still a deep system, the number two overall system, if I recall correctly, and and a lot of guys that they could be good for a long time when Squid gets his feet wet. So, yeah. uh, and number one, no surprise here, uh, and trying to come back and bounce back from their first non-title year in a long time, the Virginia Colonials. I mean, I, I would, you know, I, I'm sure I'll take some heat, but, you know, it feels just when it was starting to feel really good not being the chase, you know, there was the, kind of the one silver, the one silver lining to, uh, to really getting, getting handled pretty easily in the, in the cup championship last year was I kind of thought it would, uh, you know, take some of the, the bullseye off. I moved, uh, you know, we moved Morgan in the off season. Obviously, a big piece. We moved Bayer in the off season, big piece. Um, but again, and, and maybe it's because I know the equation. Uh, the numbers, the numbers like the Colonials. I mean, obviously the IL champs. Um, they do. We do ship out Morgan, ship out Bayer, uh, let Roman and Yamauchi both, uh, you know, depth guys. They both leave town in free agency. Um, but then at the same time. Uh, Cologne, who's now the everyday shortstop, mm-hmm. gets a bump, and he's now on the top players list, I think as high as 18. Uh, TJ Knudsen, Den- the pride of Denver, is, uh, looks good. Uh, it looks like he's an everyday player. He's playing, he's gonna play every day this year. Um, you know, we love that guy. Johnny Davis is our top hitting prospect, a catcher. Um, he's gonna split starts with Hidalgo, who, who, you know, we obviously tried to shop all offseason. Um, I love this team. I, I like a lot about this team. I think, again, though, we're going to go in with the same real strike against us that we did last year, and I won't say it cost us uh, the championship, but it certainly didn't help, and that's the bullpen. It's still definitely the, the weak link to this team. The starters look good, not as good, obviously, without Morgan, but, uh, you know, we kind of, when we hand the ball over, it's shaky for sure. And, you know, I'll be watching the rotation as well. A, a five-man rotation for the second straight year, which is against maybe what you always try to do. You know, I like Laguerre a lot. Uh, 
you know, Freddie Bomer, a guy that you haven't really shown a lot of trust in as a starter before, and uh, will, he'll be there full-time this year from the looks of it. Yeah, that's, that was the plan. Going into spring training, we thought it was going to be Kim, um, was going to be in the rotation as a left-handed starter because uh, we haven't really run one in a year. Uh, we thought Dave Heath, um, who came up from AAA, we thought he was might crack the rotation. He's not feeling it. He's going to stay up and be in the bullpen. Uh, we thought Jody Richards, who was always drafted to be a starter, we thought he maybe was going to be a starter. He wants to be a closer. He wants to be a back-end guy. We're gonna we're gonna grant him that wish and let him uh, give him the setup role. So that kind of left uh, Bomer and uh, Bork as uh, as the the four or five for us. And you know we've kind of you know we're kind of all in. We, we're we're kind of doing a stars and scrubs with our top three and bottom two in our starting rotation. And thankfully we got a lot of offense and you know they can make up for a lot of uh, you know we had some. If you look at last year, we had some. We had some really shaky starters. Um, you know, we had some high whip guys in the four or five last year. But um, you know, we're kind of we're kind of all in too. Uh, the team's not getting any younger. Uh, most of our what you know, all these guys we drafted are now in their thirties, and you know, and in a couple cases, well into their thirties. Um, you know, Meta, the, the third baseman, is in a contract year, and I, I'm not gonna lie, he wants a lot of money, and we're we're making some decisions about what we're going to do there. But so this is, we're all in our, we've kind of, we've kind of emptied our system to, to a certain extent. It's not nearly as deep as it was. Uh, we traded a lot of talent, uh, a lot of high picks and a lot of talent last year to make the moves we did. Uh, and we didn't win. And, you know, we got some picks back this off season, mostly from Indy. Um, but, you know, they look like they're improving, so those picks aren't going to be nearly as as enticing as they would have been before. So Virginia's all in. So we're, we're, hoping, the, we're hoping the numbers bear out and they, they've got another championship or two in them before, uh, I mean, I, the, the 2002-2003 Colonials could be rough. Yes. This, this team could get ugly quick. Well, and you know, I've always said the only thing worse than losing in the BLB championship is losing to Dave in the BLB championship. So you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> but you know, it'll be an interesting season. Obviously, Virginia loaded. Clay, final thoughts. You know what? I just, you know, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get sappy and sentimental. It's this is a great, this is a great league and a great time, and I appreciate uh, the time and the effort that everyone spends in it. I know it's. Uh, you know, I know we all bust balls and we have disagreements, and but that's that's really that's really kind of the fun of the whole thing. I I enjoy it. I hope everyone does. I hope I hope no one ever feels like uh, you know that the that the deck is stacked in anyone's favor or that anything ever happens um, to favor one team over another. I mean, I would I don't want this thing to go away. I like the ownership group we have and. Things like this, which Jake, I'll thank you, and I appreciate you doing it. Uh, I hope we start to see more stuff like this because it just it just Absolutely. adds to the immersion, and, and it's a good time. And I hope everyone uh, agrees. Well, I'll agree a million percent. You know, to talk on behalf of teams two through twenty-four, I well, I can say that I appreciate you running the league. I appreciate you doing Shaver Metrics, all the little logos you do, uniforms. Obviously, uh, the league wouldn't be here without you. So in addition to thanking every every owner, you know, we appreciate what you do and, 
And this was fun, and we need to do it more often, and uh, hopefully polish. I'll polish up a little bit more as we move along, and Z will be doing some podcasts, and I uh, think it'll be a good addition to the league. And, you know, if you don't like it, then, you know, to hell with you. Oh, and they'll let us know. Yeah, of course, of course. So, Well, all right, well, we'll wrap up. It's been a great initial edition, the the first Shaver Metrics podcast, and uh, thanks, Clay, and uh, I, uh, I look forward to another great year in 99. Thank you. Happy birthday, Fun Fun.